Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his views in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battle's for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world, hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in, pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. We're brought to you today by Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. Today's guest competes full-time in the NASCAR Cup Series, driving the number 77 Chevrolet Camaro for Spire Motorsports. Part-time in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, driving the number 3 Chevrolet for Richard Childress Racing, and the number 4 Camaro for JD Motorsports. He has also competed in the NASCAR Truck Series, ARCA Menard Series. He was the 2011 ARCA Racing Series champion. The 2012 Truck Series Rookie of the Year and 2013 Truck Series Most Popular Driver. He's the grandson of Richard Childress, the son of retired driver and current RCR team executive Mike Dillon and the brother of fellow Cup Series driver Austin Dillon. Welcome to the podcast, Ty Dillon. Ty, say hi to Mike Wallace. Hey, guys. What's going on? Uh -huh. We're just uh, been waiting around. Pleasure to have you on today, Ty. Hope things are going well with you. 
Yeah, everything's going really good. Got a beautiful day out today and uh, just excited to, to hop in, talk talk a little bit of life and, and racing with you guys. Yeah, we're going to talk a little life. That's about what we're going to talk about. But, but since we're talking about it, let's do recap yesterday. How was your roval race yesterday? Boy, uh, for me, it was one to forget. Uh, oh, beautiful. The okay, let's, yeah, yeah. let's skip that. A forgettable yeah. day at Charlotte Motor Speedway. <laughs> yeah, no, but, you know, you have those, right? When you, you race 38 times a year, it's it's inevitable you're going to have those weekends that you just wish never really got started. But, uh, you know, we we actually went out and practiced, and first lap on track, we were, we were really fast. I think we ended up 14th overall um in practice and was really happy on that first lap and the second lap just kind of overstepped my bounds and um got in the wall in turn one uh which made us forced to go to a backup car um which was was super unfortunate especially having that much speed and probably the most speed we've had unloading on a weekend all year right out of the gate and uh just i don't think i've pulled a backup car out in five years is the last time that's happened for me and it just uh it bit me on that that one race and um it's, it's really tough with these new cars to, to be able to, you know, spend the amount of time in, in 24 hours that they do during a whole week to make these cars right. So we just kind of put, I put us behind by doing that. And the guys had to work all night just to get the car to the racetrack the next morning. And we put in our best effort and we were working on the car pretty hard. And then um, I think probably the most viewership we got all day was when Denny ran into us there on the front stretch of Kane and pretty sure it bent our upper and that, uh, became pretty hard to drive after that so we just didn't really get the finish uh we probably could have gotten if the car would have stayed together and wouldn't have had that accident but man just one of those things where this weekend we were we were the nail we weren't the hammer this weekend (laughs) (laughs) so ty uh the roval concept is going away for next season how does that make you feel yeah i mean i think it's interesting i've I've enjoyed it i always enjoy the, the the differences in racetracks and i think you know the competition of of speedways having to, or, or racetracks in general, having to compete to keep races um, and do different things, come up with new things, keep fans there. I've enjoyed the roval racing. I, I've always had a affinity for road course racing, uh, just the difference, because it wasn't what I always naturally did, but I love the challenge of going left and right. And every corner has so much time you can spend to get better at it. And you can, it's a never ending um, growth that you can, you can find in road course racing. So I hate to, to lose um, another road course race and, um, but you know, the, the going to some of these ovals and going back to Indy for sure is going to be a, a fun one. I've always had success there. I, I won my first Xfinity race there. And, um, so I'm looking forward to going back to that one for sure. It's kind of, that's going to be exciting. It's going to kind of reset the whole next year, like a kind of a new schedule style, getting rid of the road courses a little right. bit. Right. Well, they came out with the, with the schedule not too long ago and what Iowa Speedway, yeah. Is, on, is on the list now yeah. isn't your brother rusty involved in that speedway well you know i i <laughs> don't know exactly what his involvement is anymore i think he's a really good spokesman for it because okay. nascar I bought thought he was the part r- owner well he was in day one yeah and i i can't really say one way or another now because i don't know i do do know he was out there doing all the press announcements and meeting with the governor and you know all the photo ops and all right. that yeah uh, he was the designer of that racetrack, 100%. Gotcha. I mean, he was uh, he was yeah. kind of like, you know, I think in the golf world, like a Jack Nicholas course or something like that. Absolutely. They had him out there. That's a compound banked racetrack. So that's known as a Rusty Wallace racetrack. Rusty Wallace yeah. racetrack, yeah. <laughs> He's proud of it, too. Boy, you talk to him. He'll tell you how damn great that place is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's not wrong. It's I, I couldn't believe that we've gone this long without having a cup race there. I, it's one of the, you know, 
still haven't I consider myself a young younger career but it's one of the only tracks that I've been able to race from the very beginning of when it was built and uh, be able to go back to it now but uh always puts on great races it's just a really great shaped racetrack it's and it's got quite a bit of age on it now which is going to make it even more fun so I'm, I'm glad nascar went ahead and pulled the trigger on that well that's going to work out well i look forward to it next year and you know all the other races, any new races or any of the old races rebuilt you know the second yeah. bristol race all that hey ty you know we're kind of not our normal format but we're going kind of in this direction tell me the difference because i know you have the knowledge in the building i've never drove one of these new cars how do the new yeah. cars drive compared to what when you and I raced together five years ago, six years ago, is there a lot of difference in the car, or is it just a race car still? Yeah, there is. It's quite a bit of difference. It's been quite a learning curve, um, but I think it depends on you know the style of racing you grew up in. I, you know, I was dirt racing, so those cars I was used to just kind of more of a. a it seems really fast. The steering is fast in a dirt car, but the the way you drive the car, you do it with a slow kind of motion, and you're you're catching and guiding the car all the way on the racetrack. Well, this car, I think sits up more like a, a super late model on asphalt, um, which I never, I didn't run any races on growing up. So for me, it's been quite more of a learning curve, uh, having the independent rear suspension where the old cars, um, everything you kind of predicted all your actions before they happened because it happened a little bit slower. And it, as it happened, if you didn't catch it quick enough, it would just, it would surprise you. Well, this car, the inputs happen immediate and the reactions happen immediately. Um, and I think it's kind of hard to explain it, but I think it's due with the rack and the rack steering and you have the independent suspension and the way these, these cars have small sidewalls as well. So there's quite a bit of difference, but racing still racing. It still has the essence of what the old car needed to be, to be great. Um, it, but it, it's, as far as the the inputs and the steering, the way you drive the car, it, it is definitely different than, than what you used to. So far, so much different now that I really consider um, going back and running Xfinity as um, just not a, not really an option that's going to make you any better in, at, at any time. Yeah, it just goes back and race an Xfinity car because you want to race one, right? Not not that you can correlate anything. Yeah, pretty much. Just I, the reasons I've done it in the past, this past year, is to try to go win races, which is always the fun thing, and then uh, just go on racetracks that you enjoy to race, and and um, you know just having more laps at places. Maybe you want to learn a little bit more at a road course, but other than that, you're not going to get where you used to be able to drive the Xfinity car on Saturday, and then you would be able to pick up things on the tires and different different strategy things. It just really doesn't correlate at all. The the jump is so different, so unique now. Hmm. All righty. Well, let's let's go back in time. We'll skip the current yesterday. Finishing. Hop into the wayback machine, yep. Mr. Pete. Right. Hang on, let me push it. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> okay, we rolled back time. What the hell was that? That was my time machine. <laughs> I just built it. You, you told me, and I didn't know we were supposed to have a time machine, so I just did it. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, how many people, Jeff, listen to this the show? The whole world, Mike. The whole the world. The whole okay. world is listening. Okay. So... The world knows Ty Dillon right now. You're popular in the motorsports world. You've had some success. But very few people actually know Ty Dillon when he was a little boy. And we're trying to educate people and our fans, your fans. Uh, how did your motorsports career get started? And uh, yeah. we, we like you to tell the story, not us try to intermingle with it. So take us back as far as you want, and, and let's move forward from there. Yeah, right on. Um, 
yeah, it's so, you know, obviously I think most people probably know the backstory of um, who my grandfather is, who my brother is. My dad raced. Uh, no, who, back who in the is bush. your grandfather? <laughs> Richard Childress. Oh, okay. Uh, for those who don't know, he owns a uh, vineyard, I think. He's in yeah. a vineyard business. It's a wine business. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so many people. <laughs> Yeah, so many people would would start telling me, you know, ask me, so what was the first time you ever went to this track? And most of the tracks on NASCAR circuit, I, I mean, I think I was born and then I was there, you know. I don't think remember a time where I wasn't going to races as a kid. Um, and then even so at, at you know, local short tracks because my dad ran late model stocks and I was just raised in the, in the grandstands at, at racetracks or in the garages and just very fortunate to have that perspective my whole life. Uh, but it was, you know, initially it wasn't really my first passion. It wasn't really my first love. And, and, uh, my grandfather, my dad, my mom, they never force, you know, the want to have us drive and, and to, you know, say, Hey, this is what you're going to do at any age. So, uh, my brother and I played every sport imaginable. And that's, that was what we wanted to do. I, I thought I was going to be a football player. I was full into pop Warner football. I wrestled in school. I did all kinds of other sports. Um, and football was probably my first love, and um, everybody started outgrowing me about 12, 13 years old. Everybody's starting to hit growth spurts, and I kind of stayed the same. And the, the hits, I wasn't able to deliver kind of back to the hammer and the nail. I, I went from being the hammer to being the nail in the football world, so I didn't want to hurt like that anymore. And uh, so uh, we were at Charlotte. I believe we were coming just for the Coke 600, or I forgot what weekend it was. And... Um, my grandfather has a condo up in turn one. He still still has to this day. And I was watching and saw a bunch of kids that looked like my age. And they were running these cars around the track. And they looked like they were having so much fun. And I really didn't know anything about it. I just thought about it that night. I think I was 13 years old. And uh, I told my mom, like, hey, I, that looks super fun. Like, is that something that we might have a chance, opportunity to try it out? She's like, well, you need to call your grandfather and see what he says. So. Um, I made the call at 13 and said, Hey, pop, pop, I, you know, I'd love to try racing out. And I think at first he was pretty excited. Um, and, uh, Austin, you know, he tagged along with me and said, Hey, I'll do it too. Let's do it. But I was the one that made the first call he was 15. I was 13. And, um, he, he was able to through obviously being in racing and knowing people set up a, a, uh, bandolero test at the little quarter mile outside of, um, the backstretch there at Charlotte. Uh, with uh, Greg Coble and Mitchell Coble, who were racing uh, Bandoleros at the time. and Yeah, I remember those guys. Yeah, so uh, we set it up. We went and ran, and we had a blast, Austin and I. You know, obviously, your first time ever being a race car, it's just so over your head on how to drive and what you're doing, but you're just making laps and having fun as a kid. And I just found this part of the story out about a, about a month ago. We were doing an appearance in a suite for um, – you know, my sponsor Ferris and my grandfather says, yeah, the first time we took him out there, I, I went home and said, Oh boy, they, they are not good. <laughs> not be good. And, uh, he said, luckily we went back for the second test and they got a whole lot better. I never knew that was a problem. I never even knew that, that he thought that, but, uh, luckily I guess we, we improved a lot the second time. And he, um, you know, we, we went on from there and raced at the, the summer shootout was kind of the first really racing we ever did was during that, during that time and then we started racing at concord motor speedway and um austin moved up austin was always about a year and a half ahead of me as far as moving up in series and um him being two years older they just kind of pushed him ahead a little bit quicker and and um so we ran uh, legend we went to bandoleros and we stepped up to legend cars 
and kind of my grandfather and my dad's idea was every time they felt like we were understanding a level and able to win um, and feeling comfortable at a level, they wanted to push us to the next level. They didn't want us to stay and do too much. And there was, I remember the legend cars, I had one, um, I think I was in semi-pro, I was probably 14, 15 years old, and um, I had won 18 races in a row, I had won 24 in that year, and we were about three quarters of the way through the year, and um, I think we were leading national points, I don't know how they do it at, at the time, but my dad was like, all right, we're done here, and uh, the guys <laughs> that I was, you know, that were helping work on the car and we were all pumped about maybe winning the national points and we had kind of figured it out my dad said no we're done here we're going to go dirt dirt late model racing and we were pretty devastated we we still showed up to the national points deal there at charlotte and we ended up third still uh didn't run the last quarter of the races but uh, they he just always wanted to push us didn't want us to worry about you know chasing points just wanted us to keep working on getting better and challenging ourselves as we went so i went crazy dirt late model racing for a couple of years there, 15, 16, I guess I should backtrack too. Cause an important part of my story is, um, when I was racing at the summer shootout and, and, uh, Mike, you were, you guys were there with your family. Um, that's where I actually met my wife. Um, I was 14 or 15 at the time, but her family was from Washington state and they drove all the way from Washington state with her brothers coming down to race legend cars. And they parked beside us for the whole summer shootout. So our families became friends. Um, and we just always kind of stayed in touch and, uh, you know, time went on, she went off to college and I was racing ARCA and different things and trying to get her to hold that hang out. See, good things happen yeah. at the summer shootout series, Mike. Yes. Yeah, we can, we can revisit that thought as well. We'll take a time out here. We're talking to Ty Dillon. You're listening to fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the speed sport podcast network powered by my race pass and NASCAR digital media. Hi, it's Mike Wallace. You need to get behind the wheel of a vehicle that's built tough with Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln. Right now, you can get $500 off any new or used vehicle that we have in stock. That's right, $500 off any vehicle that's currently in stock. To take advantage of this deal, simply visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com slash Wallace. Don't miss out on this opportunity to save big on our entire inventory. Get $500 off of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs at Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard now. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. We're talking to Ty Dillon way back in the day. And once again, here's Mike Wallace. Yeah, we we call it way back in the day, but everybody's been through it. The, you know, the Bandolero Legend Car Bandolero's Racing Legends, Summer, shoot, summer yeah. Shootout Series. I was even there for a short time, Mike. Yeah. Now, I didn't win, you know, 20 races in a row like Ty did. Or whatever, <laughs> you know. yeah, they but, were clearly cheating. 
Yeah. Well. well, we had good resources. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's what you call it. That's yeah. what you call it. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think uh, yeah. Uh, Bubba Wallace's dad told me that uh, they, ha- they had tire therapy, he called it for Bubba's yeah. little bandolero car. Tire, tire therapy. therapy. That yeah. was the word of soaking tires back in the oh, day. There? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we kind of went backwards and. Take us back to where you were talking about your your wife meeting her at the racetrack yeah. with her family from upstate West Washington, right? Yeah, yeah, Washington State. So uh, they came down, and our families had become friends. And you know, as life moved on, she was back in Washington. She went to go. She went to college at Washington State. And as I had kind of moved on through my rankings in the ARCA series, we had stayed in touch and always friends, kind of online. And I was wearing her out trying to get her to come to a race and. Uh, she was like, there's no way you're, I'm coming to watch a race. She's like, if you ever want to meet me, you can fly out here. I believe I was 19 years old and I called her bluff and, <laughs> uh, flew out to Washington, Seattle, Washington. We started dating at 19 years old and, uh, we've been together for 12 years and coming up December 20th, we've been together nine years, married nine years. And, uh, we have two kids and, uh, you know, it's so racing has been uh the greatest blessing in my life just because of that and everything else that's come with it has been has been great as well but uh you know it's done a lot for me from from that point but uh i guess to get back on track of of my story in the car so we went dirt late model racing crate late model racing racing all over the southeast um my dad uh put us um within a great and probably the greatest situation a young driver and uh, in any sport could be with with uh the mcdowells dale and shane mcdowell um who were really just dominant and doing dirt racing the the right way back in in, in that time and uh, brought them to north carolina and they pretty much took me and austin under their wing um and and taught us not not just how to race but uh you know what it meant to be a racer to be somebody who understood what goes into it we had to go work on the cars we would leave school um, around this time. We started doing uh, one-on-one classes. Our, our um, you know, early years in high school, we do one-on-one classes. We leave on Thursdays, and we would go race two or three races a weekend. Come back Sunday night and uh, cramming what homework we had, and uh, go back to school on Monday. Uh, but in those times, you know, you would you would race on Friday night, and you had to wake up the next morning. And we had, you know, Shane was the crew chief. Um, I, I was racing, my brother's racing and Dale was racing. So we had three cars that we were traveling with and we had one tire guy. So my brother and I, we had to be part of the crew and we'd have one other mechanic. So we learned so many things. I learned how to, you know, uh, run the valves and lash the motors, how to, uh, grease nut and bolt, check everything, repair body panels, um, and, and do everything in that time. And now I look back and it's so valuable. It taught me so much about racing and, and I learned probably the most important thing is, uh, when you go tear stuff up and you're the one that has to help work on it, you have a little bit different thought about how you race and how you want to get better and, and how you approach racing from that point on. So that was one of the most valuable times in my life running dirt late models. As far as my racing careers, learning from Shane and Dale, how to race the right way um, and learning every aspect of a race car and traveling and almost running a you know, how, how you would run a, a small race team at that time. So we ran dirt late models, crate late models, and then we ventured up into the super dirt late models at that time, running uh, Southern All-Star races. We'd run World Outlaw races. It just kind of wherever we fit, we'd run the schedule and, and had some great success along this time, won a lot of races. And, and kind of in the same vein, as soon as we started getting 
um, I think the, the learning curve was a little bit longer in the super, super late models, but around 16, 17 years old, uh, you know, I think my grandfather, my dad started noticing it was time to push us to the next step. And, uh, we ventured into the K and N E series and a little bit of ARCA racing. Um, and you know, my first venture going back to asphalt, uh, we did, and we also probably did six or seven late model races, not real serious, but, um, it didn't go as easy. The transition back into asphalt racing took some time, just kind of getting out of the dirt world and getting back into, to asphalt racing. Uh, the late model series wasn't overly successful, had some decent runs and the same thing with the K and N series had some decent runs and I had one big win, um, uh, down at Greenville Pickens speedway. And, uh, as soon as I won that race, I think the next race, uh, you know, we had kind of jumped up in the points in the K and N E series. Um, and the next race was like a road course, and we had jumped up to the top four or something in points. And my dad said, hey, we're going to go run an ARCA race. We're not going to go run a road course race in the K&N series. So that was that point series. We threw that one out the window. So and, why do uh, you – I need to stop you there because I'm now yeah. I'm getting intrigued because I, I know your dad from back in the day. I haven't talked to him in ages. But, why, yeah. you know, you're on the verge of winning or finishing well in the points. Why do you think he didn't say, well, hey, look, Ty – we don't know if you can road race or not, but you're close enough to win this championship. Let's go run it. Why do you think that he yeah. just said the heck with it and go somewhere else? I, I, I don't know. I think for him, it was never about um, dominating a series. It was never about, you know, how bad can we beat people and get that trophy for the championship? I think for my dad, it was always about developing us. And when he felt like we had developed to a level to where um, it was, it was time to challenge us to, to get to where he wanted to be. And, and I guess I should go back. There was a time, and this probably makes everything make more sense. Um, there was a time right as we went legend car racing, I think it's from Bandoleros to legend car racing, where my dad and my grandfather sat Austin us down, Austin and I down, and, and really had a serious talk. And, you know, I'm 14, 15 years old at this time. They said, hey, you know, if you guys truly want to be racers and want to try to make it to NASCAR, and this is a dream of yours, you have with our family, we have the opportunity to do it, but you're going to have to commit your life at a, at a level that you won't be able to do the same things that your friends did. You won't be able to um, experience some of the parties and things and, and school and uh, as some people, but you will have every opportunity to achieve your dreams. And at, at 15 years old, it's like, heck yeah, sign me up, you know, and you don't really know what that truly means until you, until you go through life. And I think that's just, when we agreed to that, uh, it taught us a lot as committing to an agreement of what we wanted to do. And, um, you know, my, my dad and my grandfather took it very serious as, as they wanted to develop us to do that because we had committed to them saying that that's what we wanted uh, to do. So I think that was always more the goal, more than to just more than just winning a bunch of races and winning a point series. It was always about, okay, we can see that they can get the job done at this level we see that they've developed to a level where they can win and possibly win a point series. All right, let's move them to the next thing. Let's keep pushing them on their learning curve, get them in as many race cars as possible and in many different series as possible and try to broaden it out as much as possible. So that was just the path they chose. Um, I'm grateful for it. It's worked out in in many ways. And the the first time we actually committed to a full-time point series for me was the ARCA series. And I had ran a couple races at the end of my K and N season, I think I ran one or two races there at, at Rockingham and Kansas and, uh, as Rockingham, Kansas, and maybe one other, I won two of the three, 
uh, of those first couple ARCA races. And, and man, I was on top of the world. I, I really hadn't been that successful, like I said, in the K&N and late model series. But I jumped in the ARCA series, which was a, supposed to be a step up. And uh, we just dominated right out of the gate. And then we went into the next season, and I won uh, nine of the races of that year and won the championship uh, uh, my rookie season, the ARCA series, which ARCA's got a funny rule where if you're a rookie and you win the championship, you can't also win the rookie of the year. So I believe the rookie of the year was Chris Busher. So, um, oh, really? yeah, yeah. So and, and a funny story, Chris and I have literally raced against each other, uh, I feel like, almost everything since, uh, since we legend car race, and I remember him being at the track so uh he was a great competitor then and and uh, probably our toughest competition every week and we were both rookies and he won the rookie of the year and i won the championship and then i think from there we both uh he might have ran arca for one more year because i think he won the championship the year after me um and then i moved on to running the truck series and um you know you you leave one series and you you're on top of the world and you're dominating you go in the truck series and right out of the gate my expectations were high i thought i was just going to keep winning and shoot, I could hardly break the top five. I, I felt like I lived in eighth to 12th place for the first half half of the year in my rookie season in trucks and and uh, was was pretty tough. And we had some changes there. And I think I ended up winning uh, my first race I, I won was at Atlanta. The, the you know, is the second half of the season in my rookie year and was able to beat, uh, I think Kyle Bush was in the race, Kurt Bush was in the race, Kozlowski was in the race. And that was like, that was a moment where I'm like, okay, I can do this in the truck series. And uh, we went on uh, the next year and, and uh, won some more races in the truck series and, and came really close both years to having a shot at the championship. Um, my rookie season, I think it was down to Homestead. Um, and uh, that was Kyle Larson's first start in a truck race ever. Chris, uh, James Busher and I were racing for the championship. James was 17th and I think I was fourth. Uh, with about 10 laps to go and uh, Larson was his teammate at the time and with uh, with the way we were running at that point I was tied tied for the points lead for him and there was only 40 laps to go in the season and Larson drove it in pretty deep underneath me into three and ended up wiping me out and that was my first introduction to Kyle Larson and Damn uh, <laughs> yeah like everybody's like this guy's so good I'm like man he just ruined my my uh, shot at a championship but uh turns out he is pretty good <laughs> and uh and, and he doing whatever he wants in the car like right, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah yeah and then it, funny enough the next year we were we were having a good year I, I don't think we were leading the points or second i think we were probably third or fourth in points but uh you know we were in the hunt and uh i was running a race at mossport in canada road course race led every lap and we ran out of started running out of gas with two to go there's one high point high point in the racetrack there and uh, we would sputter, and I, it would kill me all the way down the backstretch to, to ever get any momentum going. And then on the last lap, it, it's, uh, it's, it was a pretty well-known event at that time, but a uh, guy named Chase Elliott, who's pretty good at this stuff too, he, he ended up wiping me out in the last corner of that race and kind of ended our championship and ended our chance of winning that. And Both of those guys, I always said, you know, I'll never forget. I just got to have the opportunity when, I run, when I'm running them down and, and trying to beat him for a race, I'll get it back to him. But damn, I, I haven't. Uh, it's hard you're to run gonna down. To, you're just going to, for the hell of it, you're going to have to go get one of these, hey, you remember me cards? Hand it yeah. to him and go, it's coming. It's still coming. Yeah. I haven't forgot yeah, about that. Right? Yeah, that That's particular right. race you got wrecked in there, that was pretty big, as we call it, headline news for a while. You know, yeah. It, uh, it was pretty spectacular. Yeah, that was pretty, pretty upsetting. That's probably the most 
frustrated I think I was after a race. Obviously, I was I was young then, and um, Chase was super young because I remember going up to him on pit road after he won and yelling at him, getting his face. I don't even remember what I said. It's probably something stupid that didn't even make sense. But I was just so mad, and I remember seeing his face and his helmet, and he looked so much younger than me. He was scared to death, and I'm like. <laughs> I, what am I doing? You know? And, uh, so it was just one of those times that, uh, you know, you look back on, it's just, you know, you're, you're so passionate, young and, and wanting to win races. And you look back, you look to where we are, we are now. He's a, he's a cup champion. I'm, I'm seven years into cup career, but, uh, and that was probably seven to 10 or that was probably 13 years ago. It's just crazy. Uh, but, uh, you know, from, from there, I had the opportunity to go Xfinity racing with RCR and, uh, you know, the Xfinity series for me was, um, I learned a lot and had a lot of great finishes. I have a lot of top fives in my Xfinity career, a lot of top tens, and really great stats in the Xfinity uh, series, but just one win. And that still, you know, still bothers me. I feel like there's a lot of races that slipped away um, in my time in the Xfinity series, but I always showed the capability of running up front, and, uh, but didn't, didn't eventually get the big win at Indianapolis. Um, I was just looking back through some, some stuff the other day and looked at, you know, the, the finishing order of that race at Indianapolis, the amount of cup drivers, the top 12 or 13 were cup drivers at that time. And that was, that made a huge difference, you know, and you look at the Xfinity series now and you don't have that, that level of veteran cup driver guys that these guys are racing against. And I think that makes a difference because I remember one of the biggest learning lessons I got, uh, when I was running the Xfinity series, um, nationwide series at the time was uh i was at atlanta i was running third and i believe matt kenseth was in front of me and uh, he had older tires on had fresh tires and i got to him and i knocked him out of the way and it was probably 30 40 to go i knocked him up out of the way and, and for the next 30 laps of that race he had older tires but he hugged down on my door and never let me go and we raced side by side all the way to the last lap for third or fourth and i was so mad i went up to matt and i'm like man why'd you do that you knew i was faster and he's like i just want to show you if you screw me i can ruin your day too <laughs> and, and i was like ways. yeah and i was just like damn i'm not even mad like that was he came out a, he came a, back with too good an answer for you didn't yeah. he hey, yeah, Ty, that's right. 92 like, top tens by the way in the xfinity series did you know that? yeah yeah yeah, 92 yeah top that's tens. There you go. And that's more. a good spot yeah. to take a break, so let's do that. Yeah. We're talking right. to Ty Dillon, and you're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace is teaming up with Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard to save you money on your vehicle purchase. Right now, you can get $500 off any new or used vehicle in stock. Hey, Mike, there's a landing page online with all the info you need to take advantage of this offer. FordLincolnCharlotte.com slash Wallace. You can view inventory and more. You can even listen to any of the 80-plus episodes of Fast Car to NASCAR while there. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. 
Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointments, or collision need. Ty Dillon is our guest today. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Ty, I had to, I've had to laugh during the break and even said a little during the break that, you know, these uh, veteran drivers, man, they might only have a year or more experience than you or whatever, but when, yeah. when you screw with them, they can make your day hard. And, <laughs> yeah. I, and I remember Mark Martin told me years ago, and well, first of all, it was Jimmy Hensley. Remember Jimmy Hensley run the, yep. the Xfinity series? He's, you know, he says, let me teach you something. You got that, what, I, what's that Virginia draw? I can't really say good. Like a Ward Burton kind yeah, of Yeah, kind of a little bit. Let me tell you something, Mike. You look in the mirror, and there's nobody behind you. You know, when you look in your mirror again, there's a car on your bumper. He's faster than you. <laughs> he says, you yes. need to get the hell out of the way. <laughs> yeah. There ain't no reason to try to hold him up because he's going to move your ass. <laughs> that was yeah. just funny. That's a pretty good Virginia yeah. accent, was it? Yeah, I liked okay. it. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. That was solid. <laughs> I'll give you an A on that one. You give me an A on that? Good. Yeah. Well, my little brother's normally an impersonator, and I, so I don't really work on that very hard. But, uh, yeah. So. All right. So. Yeah. Where were we? We were talking what? Xfinity racing. Yeah, we were talking about Xfinity racing. We were talking yep. about how you didn't have the finishes that you really wanted, but you had, you know, you got a big win in Indianapolis. We Jeff. figured that was 92 top tens. I mean, that, that ain't that's bad. impressive. That's not a bad good. one. Not, not a bad. Not I need, it sounds like I need eight more. Make it a crisp hundred. That'd yeah, be, well, that'd be go good. ahead and knock those out. And, uh, yep. you know, isn't it funny when you talk about things that I can tell in your voice and the way you're saying, you know, you didn't think you had a a great Xfinity Series career or whatever the title name was, Nationwide, Bush at the time. But 92 yep. top tens. That's pretty yeah. good. That's pretty damn impressive. Damn right. You know, yeah. I mean, that's... I mean, you'd like every time you line up, you want to win, right? Yeah. So you'd like to yeah. have more wins, but still. Yeah. 92 top uh, tens. And I... That, is there a... On that particular note, and this is just kind of a general overview, because uh, as you mentioned, Grandpa's a pretty popular name. He used to have yep. some guy by the name of Dale Earnhardt drive for him. Yeah. That was pretty yep. popular. I've heard of him. Yeah. You heard of him? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Is there uh is there self-sustained pressure that you put on yourself just because of that background heritage in the, in the sport or yeah, I, are you able to tune that out? I don't know how you could tune it out. That's why I asked. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think definitely in those years, younger years, um I yeah, I think it was definitely a underlying pressure. Maybe I didn't understand it and uh, maybe that's what made me so hard on myself about the way my perspective on, on, on my career at that time. Uh, and, and it's, it's probably nothing more than nobody put that much pressure on myself other than me, you know, just what I wanted to expect from myself. And then I had a brother too, who had, uh, you know, he won a truck championship and went, went to the Xfinity series, won an Xfinity championship. So boy, my bar was set high and all I ever wanted to do was outdo him. You know how that feels. So. Hey Ty, let and, me, ju- let me chime in right there. It yeah. sucks when you have an older brother that has more success than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because everybody totally. wants to compare you to them, and it aggravates yeah. the living crap out of you. Yeah. Just my two cents worth. I've got that Have T-shirt. on the couch, Mike, and tell us how you really feel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just... 
Yeah, you think you're doing pretty good, and then you go, well, you know. He ain't got the talent his Brother Rusty <laughs> Yeah, I've got I've heard this. <laughs> I heard that so much I got sick of it, you know, so. Yeah, so I think, you know, you know how it feels just having a brother. You're you're always trying to push to, to be up to that standard or that next level of where they're at, and it took me a long time to realize, like, everyone's situation is different, you know, and every year is different, and the way things work out is different, and. I think looking back on it now, I'm a lot more proud of, of what I did in the Xfinity Series and when I was actually there and put that much stress on myself. And obviously it worked out uh, good enough to where um, I ran good enough and, and respectful enough to where, um, you know, at first I, you know, I had an opportunity right out of the gate. There was actually an opportunity with, um, uh, it was RPM at the time. Um, and then uh, along with Jermaine Racing, I think this was my uh, second year in Xfinity to go cup racing. And, uh, you know, my grandfather said, hey, you know, we got, I got, I can't remember what driver was at the time under contract. And, you know, I, I don't have any, anywhere to put you in cup if, if, you know, if that's where you want to go. I would love for you to run for Xfinity for me another year and see what happens. And maybe we can move you to cup the next year. And so I turned down those opportunities to run Xfinity again another year. And, uh, that year went good. I learned a lot. I think I continued to improve. Um, and then the year rolled back around. And, you know, at that time, your eyes were fully set on cuff. And Jermaine um, Racing came back again with a, you know, a fully committed opportunity. And, uh, you know, I think it was just you, I couldn't pass down the opportunity to, to go cup race and trace, chase my dreams with Jermaine with Racing. And um, stepped in at, uh, I think I was 24 years old at the time or 25 years old. And, um, going into, you know, you, you ran up front your whole career, you won races your whole career, and then you step into the, into the cup garage and boy, you know, right out of the gate, I was actually running pretty well, run it pretty strong. And I was depressed because, you know, a good run was, was 20th. A good run was 18th. And, uh, you know, the team was pretty happy with that, with, with where we were at that point. But for me, you know, I was used to seeing myself at the top of the board and I took it really hard on myself and it really took, you know, two, two years into to cup racing of me beating myself up to where I really just kind of came to the end of myself as far as, you know, how hard am I going to beat myself up and let myself be, um, you know, a victim of my results on a board instead of just being proud of who I am. And I really, it really kind of woke me up. And, and I feel like that happens a lot in people's career, especially at the cup level. You, you dominate so long, you're on top of the world. You're the hottest thing coming up into the sport. And then you get to the cup series and boy, they're all good. And it's really tough and you're racing and it's, and it's full time, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of races. You're gone a lot and you have to become a professional. And in about that two year mark, I've seen it a lot now after I went through it, there's this moment in time where I feel like you have to either commit to being a professional. You got to change your life. You got to get eat right. You got to be focused. You got to change everything around you to be committed to cup racing or some people just can't handle it. And they just kind of just, don't take it serious and it kind of floats away a little bit and you'll see that and it's always to me it's always about the two-year mark or two and a half year mark where where guys start making that decision and you can see a change in their demeanor at the racetrack and and how they approach racing and for me that was about the time and changed a lot in my life and uh, i felt like you know things are starting to head in the right direction around three year three uh, around really year four at Jermaine, and that was that was the time where uh, NASCAR started negotiating with Geico to, to take their deal um, and make them a premier sponsor of NASCAR and ended up shutting the doors at Jermaine Racing. 
Um, and that was the first time in my whole entire career where I didn't know what the next year was going to bring. And, and uh, Hey, you know, you and I share one of those T-shirts. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. No. That's right. Totally. Tell us about that. Well, it's just when he said that the guy NASCAR was uh, communicating with Geico to be the premier sponsor that yeah. – I had Geico Insurance Company as a sponsor of my Bush Series car. Right. Then they sold yep. the title series sponsorship to Nationwide. And I thought, well, yep. wow, I'm in perfect shape. I've got, you know, this already back in the cellular one days, RCR yeah. had the deal. You know, they, you know they, they got the perfect deal. You're never going to have to worry about a sponsor. They can't go anywhere else. Yep. You know, except. Uh, so Nationwide gets exclusivity then? Exclusivity Is that right? then, yep. Yeah, I didn't know that. Nationwide, Geico decides, hey, we're we're gonna we're gonna get somebody else. We're gonna go cup racing. And we're gonna get someone else. And it's like, well, take me cup racing. Now nah, we just need a whole yeah. new face. And it's like <laughs> nothing yeah. personal. You, you know, good as <laughs> you know. I just so uh, I don't know. I had to interject yeah. that a little bit. Oh, yeah, you know. yeah. I did. It's good information. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. There, there's a lot of stories that I've been listening to Ty, and I'm uh, you know because we have had brothers, so we competed against yep. and. We both in the same situation. An older brother has a little bit more success, and you're, you know, yeah. sometimes you're. <coughs> excuse me, I don't mean to say bitter, but you're you're working your butt off trying to throw those yeah. numbers up on the board, you yeah. know, just to compete with them, and then finally you just give up and go. You know what? I'm me. I'm only as good as I can be, and yeah. there's cir circumstances that make things different. You know, yeah. maybe you. Yeah. So uh, when he just said that. I'm, it brought yeah. that up. It is what it yeah. is, Mike. I know, but yeah. see, I, I he was able to get it passed and out of his system in two years. It took me way longer than that. Sounds to me like you're still working on it. <laughs> well, I, I got my good buddy Tito helping me. There you go. Yeah, and he brings his buddies Gray Goose along in case we need some. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to go down no, the road, no. but I'm just some. No, totally. When you were talking about, you know, how frustrated you got, you know, or depre yeah. not depressed, but you know, hard on yourself, hard trying to, yeah. to lay them hey, numbers. Every driver we've ever had on this podcast, they all say the same thing. It's hard to yeah. win. It's hard to win yeah. at the Cup Series level. Oh, it's man, it's it's a it. Sometimes that Cup garage can be one of the darkest places, and there's a lot to upset people because it is the hardest of the the hardest and no one really cares unless you're on the top of the board and uh you know it feels like still truck race and xfinity race and you still feel like still got that little bit of a of a you're having fun because you're trying to get there well then when you get there uh it changes everything for everyone and, and it's a lot different game and, and nobody's really joking when they say it's a different game it doesn't matter what kind of success you had before when you get to cup series so. ain't nobody gonna feel sorry for you in that garage either. that's right exactly <laughs> exactly ty you'll love this yes. story it has nothing to do with either one of us but i got to tell it to you because i don't think you were around at this time or old enough to be in the meeting at that time yeah they had a nascar meeting over the nascar tech center and they had uh mike helton overseeing the deal and some car owners up front and drivers and crew chiefs sitting in a little auditorium thing. And I remember a few guys saying, well, we want to have some fun. We, you know, they kept saying we yeah. want to have fun. And Jack Roush stood up, and he's not the tallest guy. Right. <laughs> he goes, let me tell you all something. I want to let you guys that need to have fun know you need to go get a job somewhere else. I'm not hiring you to have fun. I'm hiring you to win races. And I That's went, right. wow, he just shut that group up, didn't yeah, he? he did. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, that's so so true. Yeah, it's um, 
you know, it's fun when you win races. That's what, that's what I've learned. You know, I've been in a lot of the same conversations. It's like, I want to have fun. It's like, well, you know, what's fun is winning races. So yeah. we need to get to doing that. And, uh, man, that's, that's definitely true. It, it can be a cold concept sometimes, but that's what, what matters in the cup series for sure. But, uh, yeah, I guess so. So once that opportunity ended, I was left, uh, picking back up on my story. I was just, I was left not knowing what was next. Um, and, um, you know, I really was like, shoot, I, you know, maybe this is over for me and maybe I'll just start doing a different job. And luckily my wife is, who's my biggest supporter and, and my backbone of my whole career. She's like, no, you're not going to give up. You, you, what you can do is you can call every person that owns a race team and see what opportunities are out there. What, what's going to hurt you? What are they going to say? No, you got nothing right now. So maybe try and see. And, um, you know, I, I did that. I started calling around. And I even told her, I'm like, there's no way Toyota's not going to give me a chance. Ford won't give me a chance because where my family is, they won't trust that I would just come do the right thing. And um, I and and she convinced me, just call them. So I started calling around. Uh, first opportunity came up uh, was with uh, Marty Gaunt and uh, Gaunt Brothers to go run the Daytona 500. And uh, Marty was just first class. He's an awesome guy. And uh, we put together a deal with with Johnny Morris, who's been a backbone in my career, to to give me an opportunity to go make the Daytona 500. And within that conversation, um, I think just opening the door with Toyota and Marty at the time, um, 2311. A couple weeks later, they had just opened their doors, and they wanted to have somebody in the All Star uh, or the the shootout. And the the year previous, I had won a stage, and they had just changed the rules. If you had won a stage in a race you could run the shootout at, at uh, Daytona. And that was not the big track. That was the, the Daytona Roval. So uh, they called me up and said, hey, you're not doing anything. You're going to run the 500 for Toyota. Would you run uh, for 2311, their first race there at, at the Roval? And I said, yeah. I mean, drive Michael Jordan's first race as an owner ever? That's like a trivia question that will go down in history. So, yeah, I'm down for that. Like, I'll be that guy. And um, that opportunity came about. And then from there, I got in touch with uh, uh, with with Coy uh, Gibbs there, and uh, you know we we all miss him. And he he gave me an opportunity to to run five Xfinity races with with Gibbs Racing. Which if you would have told me that, you know, two years prior to that that I didn't even line up properly, did it? <laughs> no, no. And um, boy, that was just such a blessing to my career. Um, I'm so grateful for everyone at Toyota who, who believed in me and took a chance on, on me coming over from being such a Chevy loyal family my whole life. And just who, who I am by, by birth, as far as my grandfather, and they gave me an opportunity to come in and be a part of, of their race team and really made me feel like family. And I'm forever grateful for that. And, uh, same with, with Joe Gibbs and Coy and Marty Gaunt, uh, 2311, they, they really helped my career so much just in that point kind of just resuscitating my opportunities and and from there um some more xfinity races came down the road i, I think I, I ended up switching back and running uh with our motorsports a couple races jordan anderson uh let me we ran a race with him at vegas led some laps in his car i think it was the first laps they had led and uh in the xfinity series and hey hold, hold that thought right yeah. there would you let's yeah. take a time out yeah. Or pull okay. into the pits. Yeah, pull into the pits. But we, we need a pit stop. I, I like the Jordan Anderson thing. I just had this cool yeah. tie there. We're talking to Ty Dillon. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike <laughs> Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. 
Hi, it's Jeff Kent. You need to get behind the wheel of a vehicle that's built tough with Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln. Right now, you can get $500 off any new or used vehicle that we have in stock. That's right, $500 off any vehicle currently in stock. To take advantage of this deal, simply visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com slash Wallace. Don't miss out on this opportunity to save big on our entire inventory. Get $500 off new or used cars, trucks, and SUVs at Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard now. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. We're talking to Ty Dillon. One more segment. One more. This is the final stage. Uh, We're coming in. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Ty, I, when you mentioned Jordan Anderson, that's when I said when, you, when we were out of time, we need to take a break. That I, I like that. And what I mean by yeah. I like that, you know, Jordan Anderson was one of those Bandolero legend racing kids back in the day. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, he's a racer. Then I think it something woke up, and he says, I'm not going to um, – one is who I can't afford to be a driver or I'm not good enough to be a driver, and he owns a team. And then all yeah. of a sudden, people like driving for him and, and running yeah. well. And so when you said that, I thought, well, that's a perfect break. So congratulations, Jordan. Yeah. We did have him on the show, and I think he worked with RCR, right, on their cars yep. and all that up there. So that worked out well. Yep. So take it from there. You, you drove for Jordan a little bit. and Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and Jordan's done such a great job, like you said. And, and him and I think him and Sam Hunt combined have two of the coolest stories I've heard in a long time in our sport of – of actually making it work from from being race car drivers and not really having a whole lot of financial backing, but just doing it the right way. Um, so shout out to both of those guys uh, doing something cool in our sport. But uh, so it ran races for him, and then even ran a truck race at the last. I had to change my points designation three times throughout the year. I think NASCAR thought I was crazy, and to the last uh, going into Phoenix, I ran for Brett Holmes Racing. Uh, in a truck race and um, you know around that time I got a call from uh, Mike Beam and started putting the the GMS deal at the time together which turned into Petty GMS and now is known as Legacy Motorsports and uh, you know I was grateful for my opportunity there last year to be back full-time cup racing uh, and just be back and and doing what I wanted to do chasing my dreams as being a cup driver winner and and championship driver and um you know, got that opportunity, but so much was just going on in, in, in that company in the past year and a half, two years, really, um, that it just never really settled in and, and they wanted to move into a different direction. So there I was again and, and sitting on year three in a row and not knowing what, what was, uh, what was coming down the pipe for next year and, uh, got an opportunity with Spire Motorsports, which I'm with this year. And, and, uh, man, uh, it's, it's been, it's been great to get to work with them and, and, uh, you know, we've had an up and down year trying to improve this 77 team that's never really, you know, fully competed 
full time with one driver and just trying to hopefully change that uh, the narrative on that team. We've certainly improved a lot of things and gotten a lot better. There's been times where I wish we could have ran a lot better and be a little bit higher up in points, but we've had some some bright moments and building blocks for this team for the 77. I think they're going to be in a good place going forward. And um, you know, I, you, you have so many opportunities, and and along the way, it's just so easy to get frustrated when you don't have a year after year deal, and uh, you know, it can be hard calling around looking for your next chance. But I look back at where I'm at right now, and and I'm grateful for every up and down that I've gone through. It's, it's made me a better man, made me a better businessman, uh, made me a better race car driver to dig in deeper, um, to work harder, to work out harder, be more prepared at every opportunity that I got. So, you know, sometimes I think I look at my brother and he's had a very successful career uh, and he's been with the same team, the same place for his whole career. And, you know, I, I you know, I, I would love to have had that, but I'm also very grateful uh, for the career path that I've gone on because it's made me who I am today and uh, given me a lot of opportunities. And and uh, I'm really looking forward to, to what's coming next. And, um, you know, my, my racing career has been quite a blessing in my life. It's like I said, it's brought me my, my best friend and my wife and my beautiful two kids. And, um, you know, it's brought me so many blessings and friendships along the way. And I think that's probably the thing that, you know, more than trophies, you go forward in your career and I still hope to win cup races and cup championships, but because the way things have gone in my career, I've gotten to work with and meet so many great people who have put so much into the sport uh, that I'm, that I'm just uh, eternally grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, but Austin has a reality TV show. So is that, is that your near future? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's, you know, when people ask about Austin and I, I think once you get to know us, we're, we're quite a bit different people. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, he reality TV fits him and, and his family and his life. And they did a great job with that show. I'm a little bit different. I'm a little bit quieter, um, with, with just my lifestyle, but they did really a great job with that. And, um, so many people love that show. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of him and his career and, and, uh, we love playing with, with Ace and little blaze now. So, um, love seeing him being a dad and, so it, it, it's been cool. You know, we all have our different journeys and Austin and I are definitely different people, but we definitely love and respect each other and want the best for each other and everything that we do. That's cool. So this is kind of a tangent. You and your brother own a sports management company. Is that correct? Um, our last name, it's his, but it's not mine. Uh, but I do uh, do now co- kind of work with them or use them to, to help me with my stuff. I, I've done a lot of uh, bouncing around and had a lot of people help me as far as management and now um you know i I do it with uh austin craven who kind of runs that company for him they do a good job and him and i are kind of tag teaming what's going on in my career together so um i don't have any ownership in it but it is i think i believe it is technically austin's company his team dylan management gotcha yeah yep you know you were talking and and i don't really want to get off on the subject of you because this this is all about you but you mentioned you were driving for spire and yep. I don't know if there's any decisions made for next year yet, but they certainly have made a lot of headlines in the last few weeks of uh, yep. buying a charter, buying out Kyle Busch Motorsports. Uh, is it, that team, I mean, it, it, I guess the best way to ask is just a question. You might not be able to answer yep. it. Are they, yep. they, they going to try to be that big, or are they positioning that whole thing for something greater for someone else in the future? Yeah, you know, I think um... – for me, I, I know I'm not going to be back with them in the future. I'm not going to be back with them next year, but I've, I've been grateful for the opportunity I have uh, have had. And it's very similar to what happened with what is now Legacy Motorsports is, 
you know, they've had a lot of a lot of changes, a lot of uh, you know growth within their program, bringing on Gamebridge and some of the opportunities that that's brought, and they've obviously buying the uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports and they're expanding teams. Uh, they have a path that they're going down, and Jeff and TJ um, have been very stand-up uh, owners and, and great people to work with. They have great people throughout Spire in all their ventures that they have, and I've really just enjoyed being a part of the team. But you know, they're going one direction and. And I'm heading in a different one. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's what happens in racing sometimes. And I think for both sides, I think we're both really looking forward to, to our next opportunities and what's coming down the pipe. So uh, like I told them, I, I wish nothing but the best for them. Um, I'll always feel like I'm part of Spire and, um, you know, I'm looking forward to, to what's next for my driving career too. Which is what are you at liberty to say? <laughs> not yet. I wish I could tell you guys. But, tell uh, me, do you have at least some yet. decent conversation going with somebody? It's a really good conversation, good. really far, but, um, you know, you, you, uh, you don't want to count all your chickens before they hatch, but I'm feeling really good about what's, what's coming down and, uh, you know, looking forward to continue to chase my dream. Well, that's great. When you were talking yeah. earlier in, in the show, you mentioned, you know, getting priorities in line, doing different things, do, doing different businesses. Are, do you have any additional outside businesses other than racing? Are you involved yeah. in anything or? Yeah, no, I, you know, actually, um, what's crazy i've never raced cup full-time for my grandfather and you know that's that's been hard at times but i'm I'm actually kind of grateful because it's it's grown our relationship in such a different way it's not this father son slash owner relationship it's just a grandfather grandson and now uh we're, we're working on a business partnership uh, at his winery uh we're looking forward to um we're working on opening a, a distillery up and we're going to start making some, some whiskey and vodka. And I can make sure that you guys can get some once we get opened up finally. So that's bingo, judge a millionaire I was just now. Say, yeah. That's time for a shameless plug. We need some product. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't, I can't divulge too much more of the information, but I promise you guys, once we get it up and rolling, I'm going to send you guys some stuff to have in the studio. Awesome. And I, probably, I won't leave you hanging or leave it up to let anybody. The holidays are coming. Yeah. It's looking good. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, Ty, you should see Jeff's face right now. That baby's turning big <laughs> smile. Day, I got a man. little glow red on him. He's, he's ready to go now. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, you know, I, I look forward to that. I think, um, you know, I've, I've, I've grown such a love for, for the work of being a race car driver, waking up, working on myself, working on what I can do to get better at racing. And, uh, I hope to race for another 10 years, but, I think when I hang the helmet up, that's not going to be it for me. I want to keep growing and working on things and, and uh, you know, having a having business and having passion is what, what uh, continues to fuel me every day and hope to continue to, to provide and do the things for my family I need to do. Well, there you go. You're a racer. You're a family man. What do you do for fun, though? Man, my two kids are so wide open. They are my fun right now. It's, uh, it's We're at such a fun young age, and, and the racing is so wide open. Uh, like I like I alluded to, my my family's from Washington State, so we go spend our off season out there. Not not the whole off season time out there and catch up with with our West Coast family. Everybody always says, you know, what's it like to have you know your new nephew? I'm like, well, before he was here, I had I had eight uh, on the West Coast that nobody really knows about. So we have a big family out there um, that that we go and check in with on the off season and spend time with them and. Um, you know, now it's, it's filled up with racing is, is, uh, if I'm not with a family, family's number one for me my wife and my kids. And then it's racing, being in the simulators, working with a race team, being the best I can. And, and then number three right now is trying to get a, you know, a, a world-class distillery going here at uh, my grandfather's winery. So 
um, you know, I'm looking forward to staying busy doing all that. Well, we, we wish you nothing but the best in regards to the, the business ventures and the business ventures you've had in the past. Yeah. And, you know, I, uh, you. feel free to shoot a text or whatever when, it, when we can announce to the world that you, you've got a ride for next year. Exactly. You know, yeah, that's, yeah. That's really cool. And yeah, I, Jeff always uh, accused me of being shameless of doing things, but I noticed you, you did have a relationship with Ferris Mowers, and I'm I'm a yes. guy that always needs lawnmowers. We got a lot of property. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Mike's got yeah, a big, a lot of grass. If, to cut. if you got any, de- yeah. if they got any developmental stuff they want to work on, just tell them, have them get in touch with me. We'll go through you though to handle yeah. it. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you bringing them up because you know they're they're part of my story. They actually sponsored me back when I raced those crate dirt late models and super dirt late models and. Um, it's wild. They, they circled around and business has changed and grown and, and they were, they've been able to sponsor me in the cup series this past year and just been, you know, another one of those backbone bone partnerships that is more than just a partnership. They're, they're like family now. And, and, um, you know, hope maybe we'll get you guys some, some mowers or something out there that can help. Yeah, that's, that's great. Your family has been, uh, and you know, grandpa and everybody, you guys have had some really long lasting relationships, haven't you? In the motorsports world. I mean, uh, yeah. Of course, we always think about Bass Pro Shops, Johnny Morris and his group, uh, been around yep. forever. And I, I, I don't know if you've ever heard this story. And Johnny says you, that I told it to him every time I've ever talked to him. So <laughs> yeah. many, many years ago, the guy I won the Winston Racing Series championship with in 1990, his name is Brad Willard. They own I-44 Speedway out in Lebanon, Missouri, which is just 50 miles from yep. Bass Pro headquarters. He's yep. man, you ought to call that Johnny Morris. He says he, and this was 1991. How right. long ago? That yeah. Was. He says, you need to call that Johnny Morris. He's got a big deal. His deal is going to be big someday, you know? <laughs> so I get a hold of a lady by the name of, of Carolyn, supposedly Johnny's sister. Okay. And she goes, oh, no, we're not interested in motorsports. That doesn't fit our customer base <laughs> at all. It doesn't even line up close to it. And then, like, hopefully she got fired. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just so funny because I, I love how – there was one sense of direction in a company or one thought yep. that, oh, we're not going to have nothing. And then, I don't know, it was a few years later, I think the first involvement Bass Pro had was, wasn't it a gold car that Earnhardt drove yeah. at Winston or something? Yep. And yep. Then, then all of a sudden that, and they're like the mega rock star sponsor. You know, everybody wants to have <laughs> something everywhere. to do with Bass Pro Shops. Nothing else, you get a hat. Yep. And to say that NASCAR doesn't uh, yeah. fit, or racing in general doesn't fit their, their, yeah, match, it was their just, customer base. It Give was me a just, break. <laughs> I, um, like I said, yeah. I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know Johnny Morris well. I know he well enough, and he'll return a phone call if I call him. But I, we'll run into yeah. each other at the airport, and I'll tell him. He says, you've told me that story every time, you know. And I says, yeah, but it's such a good <laughs> story. It's a great story. You know, it's, right? yeah. it's worth like, repeating. Yeah, so, <laughs> really, really that's good. That's funny. So. Yeah, Johnny's a, Johnny's a great guy. My grandfather is just he's always made it very important and, and definitely to Austin and I and all his, anybody who works that, you know, it, it partnerships are more of a relationship than anything. And if you don't have a relationship with your partners, it just, it doesn't matter. And I think that's what he does a great job and in, instilling in everyone around is you got to make it work for both sides. It's, it's got to be important. Uh, everything you do has got to be important, just like a marriage or a relationship or whatever it may be. Uh, I think that's his approach and why they've sustained such great long partnerships with, with all their sponsors. Well, that sounds great. I'm going to give you a couple yeah. seconds. You got anything you want to plug? Any? What if I needed some Ty Dillon swag? Yeah, is there anything out there you can buy? Or is that like, no, Boy, I don't have anything. I don't, even know if, <laughs> I don't know if I have anything out there. You can get it. At, I, yeah. I, 
hardly get updates when they're on the, the there's new stuff on the uh, souvenir trailers but uh okay. you know I, I i'm on instagram i'm on all the all the social media stuff uh, i know people are probably easy to find but uh you know it's uh i really appreciate you guys having me on uh it's, it's fun to get to talk about your story it reminds you of, of your career and uh the things that you've gone through so i appreciate you guys having me stay positive my man you're doing good you yes, got sir. a great career and uh we will hold you to the fire on the liquor Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. The product, and, and we'll we'll sample wine ahead of time if we need we to. We can do that as well. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah. Merry Christmas. We've been talking to Ty Dillon. Yeah. You've been listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media.